your home of the Pens and the best Pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh and iHeart Radio Station. I heard one radio show today debating which first-round pick in Steelers history is the best ever. That's not much of a debate. Uh, they drafted Joe Green, Terry Bradshaw, Franco Harris, and Lynn Swan in the first round in four out of six years back in the late 60s and early 70s. Every first-round Steelers draft pick from 1969 through 1977 played in a Pro Bowl. The Steelers drafted Troy Pulamalu, Ben Roethlisberger, and Heath Miller in consecutive years. Ponce, Cam Hayward, and DeCastro in consecutive years. So that debate, uh, it's like you're picking who the greatest Steeler ever is, but you're using a smaller list. You know what's more fun? Debating who the Steelers' worst first-round pick was. You could start with their first first-round pick ever, William Shakespeare, running back. Third pick overall out of Notre Dame in 1936. Didn't do much in the pros, but turned out to be a decent playwright. Ziggy Hood, Troy Edwards, Jermaine Stevens. Bud Dupree may soon join this list if he hasn't already. But in the last 20 years, 10 of the Steelers' first-round picks have played in a Pro Bowl. At least five of the others became competent starters. The point is, people will bitch and bitch and bitch and bitch when the Steelers miss on a first-round pick. But they don't miss often. It's a pretty good organization. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Uh, David Todd used to have a show on ESPN Radio. He says on Twitter that perhaps Young Ho Gung will have to deal with a suspension imposed by MLB for his DUI misadventures in Korea. But is there a precedent for that? Not sure that's going to happen. Uh, David guesses that Gung will not rejoin the Pirates immediately, that he'll go to a rehab assignment in AAA. And he points out, and this is definitely worth considering, who knows what kind of player he is now? He was real good two years ago and even better the year before that. But the last we heard of Young Ho Gung on a baseball diamond, he was in the Dominican Winter League getting cut because he was hitting only 200. And has he been playing baseball at all during these last couple years? Doesn't sound like he's been playing very much. We'll see how it works out. I want your thoughts. Is it good that Gung's coming back? Baseball-wise, it obviously can't. Hurts. Penn's Capitals, NFL draft tonight. Let's go to Randy in Leechburg. Randy, you're on with Double M. Hello, Randy. Hi, how are you? Great. What's up? Hey, when's the last time the Penguins lost two back to back playoff games? It happened in the Stanley Cup Finals against Nashville, and it happened. Uh, in the Washington series last year as well. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. Excellent. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it, right? Seems like they bludgeoned everybody. That's the only time I think Murray's lost back-to-back playoff games. That was in the Stanley Cup final last year against Nashville. Let's go to Kevin in Wexford. Kevin, 
You're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. Uh, talking about the first pick, you know, uh, I would not take Barkley in this year, in this current NFL, because it's such a passing league. Maybe if it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago. But my bigger point is, I think the Browns talking about Mayfield as a total smokescreen because teams like the Jets want to move up, maybe offer a big trade. Um, well, if I they really want Mayfield, I think they could take Barkley first and Mayfield would be there at number four, don't you? True, but I wouldn't take Mayfield in the top uh, 10 or 15. I just can't think of a recent Big 12 quarterback. Can you name one? Anybody who's had success? What about a, what about a 6-1 quarterback? Yeah, that too. Rarely they work out uh, Drew Brees and Russell Wilson are the exceptions, but just such poor defense there. I mean, think of all the Vince Young, uh, you know, Robert Griffin, all those guys. Just There's no recent success of Big 12 quarterback history in NFL. No, that's a real good point. Thank you for the call, Kevin. Sure thing. Let's go to uh, Alex on Route 28. Alex, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. Good. How's it going with you, Alex? Pretty good. Hey, I'm calling about the first overall pick in the draft, uh, I hope that the Cleveland Browns do not select Barkley for the reason being that I don't think that we are going to be able to see how good he really is on the Cleveland Browns team. I disagree. I mean, I don't know if this is the right management team in place. We've heard that for how many different management teams that all uh, sucked. But but uh, they got a real good offensive line, even without Joe Thomas. they got two good receivers now. I think at the very least, if they got Saquon Barkley, they'd be able to control the ball better and score more points. That's what a lot of people said about Coleman getting drafted last year to the Browns, and he didn't really make it too big of a name for Saquon, Saquon Barkley is just a, a horse of a different color. He's he's a generational running back, uh, I think. Uh, thank you for the call, Alex. And, and uh, Kevin, who just called, it's worth noting, too, and I, I keep pointing this out, the quarterback thing, I know how important – the position is. I've noticed it, it's a passing league, like the last caller said. But last year, the Bears took Trubisky and they still stunk. Jacksonville took Fournette and went from three wins to the AFC Championship game. Was that all because of Fournette? No, of course not, but he made a huge impact. So if you're looking for immediacy, take the running back. If you're looking for the long term, you need a quarterback to win consistently in this league a better quarterback than Tyrod Taylor, to be sure. But if they would take Saquon Barkley, and then don't forget, Tyrod Taylor's going to be the quarterback this year for the Browns, pending whoever they do take in the first round of quarterback, coming in and performing in just overwhelming fashion. But if you got Barkley, even with Tyrod Taylor, you're going to win six or seven games next year. You would win six or seven games. Barkley's a nailed-on starter right away, a big-time producer right away. Let's go to Mike in the car. Mike, you're on with Double M. How you doing, bud? Great. Hey, how about Jung Ho Gung? Um, he, uh, if, if he went through a rehab program and he has himself sober and can, continues that, I'd say give him a second chance. Um, I'm a survivor of three DUIs. Thank God the only person I ever hurt was myself, and I'm 13 years sober. And yeah, but, but, I'm, I'm not. I'm not leading you down a path to me ridiculing you, sir. Good for you. But what do you do for a living? I assist with surgery. I went back to school. Wow. Everything around. Wow. <laughs> I was hoping you'd be like a crossing guard and saying, "Well, that's not exactly the spotlight, sir." But you're an assistant to surgery. Yeah. Oh, okay. You got me there. <laughs> you, you really threw a curve, and I, I went down swinging. But, but how do you think Pittsburgh is going to react to? 
the gun coming back because uh, your your assisting surgery is a pretty precarious job, but it's not in the public eye like gun. No, um, well, it's it's he if if he if he took all the right steps and did what he needed to do to get himself straightened out, he deserves a second chance. Everybody does. I do agree that everyone deserves a second chance, and thank you for the call. And I hope I don't need surgery anytime soon. But why would you hope you need surgery anytime soon? Let's go to Steve and Cecil. Steve, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Mark, uh, I was wondering if you thought a player like Ryan Reese would be beneficial in a series like this. Well, he's not on the team anymore, you know? Yeah, I know that. And, I mean, do I think he'd be better on the fourth line than uh... – no, I, I don't. I'd rather have Zach Aston Reese in there. They, they they wouldn't bench him for Kuhnhockel, not in a in a playoff series because you need Kuhnhockel on the PK, and he's not a center, so he can't take Ryan Reeves' place. Might he be in there ahead of Dominic Simone? Yeah, you could move Aston Reese up to the third line and put Reeves in there on the fourth line, and yeah, I do think that would be better, but it's a moot point because Reeves is gone. Let's go to Zach and Baldwin. Zach, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, how are you? Great. So I was wondering what kind of line combinations and uh, pairings that you think Washington's going to be looking for this series. Uh, what what do you mean line combinations? They use Kuznetsov as, as with Ovi. As, they they use Baxter with Oshie. Against the Penguins. You mean who's going to match up with who? I I think the Capitals will try to play Backstrom against Sid. I think they'll try to keep Ovi away from Latang. In a nutshell, I okay. think that's that's going to be their outlook. And Sullivan, he's never been that concerned with matchups. But I'd still like to see him try to get Latang out there against Ovechkin. And, you know, even if Sully doesn't pursue that, Ovi plays so much and Latang plays so much, it could just wind up being very organic that they're out there together. 412 We got Tim Benz talking Steeler Draft and a little Penguins, too, at the bottom of the hour. Then at 530, it's the Hockey Night Show. And if you didn't hear, by the way, Game 3 is Sunday at 3 o'clock. Then the series returns to Pittsburgh Tuesday and Thursday of next week at PPG Paints Arena. 105.9. This is Brian Dumoulin of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9, the X. Thank you, Dumo. What a year he's had as Tanger's defense partner. Knows just how to play with number 58. Brian Dumoulin done a tremendous job all year long. Uh, I think I said that game three was Sunday at 2 p.m. Game two was Sunday at 3 p.m little dyslexic here behind the microphone today. Uh, another update on Young Ho Gun. The Pirates are going to bring him back and have him go through a spring training type of regimen. So he's a long way before playing uh, wherever he starts out in AAA for a rehab assignment or in the major leagues. Wouldn't you want him to get to the team as fast as possible, though, considering how badly they played recently, losing seven out of their last nine. But you also want him to be ready, and it doesn't sound as if he's played much baseball uh, since the 2016 season with the Pirates. Uh, he played in Dominican, got cut there, was playing terribly. And uh, I wonder if, given the three DUIs, he would have been permitted to play in the Korean League. If he had been permitted, I'm surprised he didn't do that. To be very clear, I have no problem with Gung playing for the Pirates again. There are people out there who will not want that.
because of the three DUIs and the sexual assault allegation, which uh, never led to an arrest, and as far as I know, is a dead issue in Chicago. But uh, people deserve a second chance. Uh, he's not going to be welcomed back, you know, like a conquering hero, I don't think. He's just a better player than most of what they got. If that makes him a hero, so be it. But uh, all Young Ho Gung's problems have been of his own making, and that's something that certainly should not be forgotten. Uh, with the draft tonight, all, all kinds of controversy cropping up. Uh, Josh Allen tweeted racial slurs when he was in high school, the Wyoming quarterback. So his draft stock may drop because you're not allowed to be young and dumb in high school. If I were an NFL team, I would not let him having done something stupid in high school deter me one bit from drafting Josh Allen. Uh, Here's some more news from Pitt. We talked yesterday about how they were going to flip the basketball court. So the Oakland Zoo would be on camera more during nationally televised pit games. Yo, Heather, that's Heather like the AD. What makes you think there's going to be any nationally televised pit games next year after the season the Panthers just had? Now, Heather like wants to improve the environment for football games at Heinz Field. She's talking about a better tailgating environment and uh, repositioning the student section, and the band, moving them around in the stands to make them more prominent. Oh, those are great ideas, but call me old-fashioned. I think it would help more if Pitt won more and played Penn State and West Virginia every year. I think that would really make it a better environment for football during Pitt games at Heinz Field. God, I, I don't know. I mean... I know Pitt fans think Heather likes doing a good job. The Capel hire was a good hire, and she says all the right things. She presents herself well. But when you talk about it's going to be so much better, it'll be better tailgating or at basketball. We're going to put the student section on camera. Who cares? That doesn't matter to me at all, and I don't think it matters to anybody but the worst kind of Pitt sycophant at all. I'm tired today. Do I sound tired? No, I sound as frisky as always because I am a radio legend. Let's go to Steve and Sewickley. Steve, you're on with Double M. Good afternoon, Mr. Madden. How are you? Good afternoon. Uh, I'm not trying to be smart, but uh, uh, worst draft pick in my mind is Gabe Rivera. Played one season and then, you know, got hurt. I don't think he even played one season before his drunk driving accident that left him paralyzed. Uh, but but that was disappointing in a different way. I think had Gabe Rivera not uh, been in that drunk driving accident, I think he would have been a, a really good player and was displaying that uh, in, in the salad days of his career, which was tragically cut short. Well, not tragically. Again, that's a guy whose problems were all his own fault. But a guy like, say, Huey Richardson was never any good for even one minute. That, to me, is a bad, bad draft pick. Let's go to uh, Matt in the car. Matt, you're on with the Super Genius. Hey, Mark, quick question for you, sir. All year during the NHL, we have this exciting format at the end of a game. 
uh, where you have the five-minute three-on-three and then you go to the shootout. But then when you get to the playoffs, we go to the extended periods where we play a period. It's a sudden death. Do you have any problem with that? Do you like the tradition? Do you think there could be some revised format? I don't know. I think there's a lot of excitement during the year. Okay, if it were up to me, I would play three-on-three overtime to a finish. I wouldn't have the shootout. I would play three-on-three till it's over. But they're just not going to do that because of tradition. They don't want the game decided, important games, in a fashion that's flaky and fluky. So they're just not going to do it. And I understand that, too. I wouldn't have a problem either way. I would pick three-on-three, but I guarantee you that is never going to happen. And the reason I would pick three-on-three is not because I think it's that much more exciting, because five-on-five overtime hockey, with so much on the line, that's very exciting as well. But uh, I just got places to go and other stuff to do, and I want the game over with ASAP. Let's go to Dan in the car. Dan, you're on with Double M. What up, man? What up? Hey, Mark, a couple of quick Penguin points. Um, I just caught the end of the OE interview, so I'm not sure how much you elaborate on this, but what are your thoughts on what it feels like the biggest advantage for the Pens, which is their forward speed against the Capitals' defense? I would say the biggest advantage is the Penguin speed in general against the Capitals' lack of speed in general, although I agree the, the defensive core for Washington is not very quick, are they? No, I mean, you saw what Panarin did to him last series. What the heck's Crosby going to do this Well, series? Panarin didn't do that much. Uh, you know, he didn't do enough to, to win, and he kind of petered out later in the series. But but I, I feel you. I think that I think the Capitals only have, like, two or three legit top four defensemen. And, and even the guys, I mean, Carlson's pretty fast, pretty strong to and on the puck, but uh, you're right, it's not a fast defense. Let's go to Dylan and Cranberry. Dylan, you're on the X. Hey, Mark, uh, you know, for, for such an aggressive, like, forechecking speed-based team like the Penguins, does it seem like they're a little passive on the penalty kill? Like, they stag back too much, and they let the uh, other team dictate uh, the, the play on the penalty kill. Do you, would you like to see them come out a little more on the penalty kill? The penalty kill was 19 for 21 against the Flyers. Whatever they did in that series is exactly what I want them to keep doing. Up next... We talk NFL draft and the Little Penguins, too, with Tim Benz, 105.9. This is Chris Letang of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. Joining me now to talk a little Steelers draft from the Steelers Radio Network, it's Tim Benz. Uh, Tim, it looks like there are four inside backers of legit pedigree in this draft. Are any likely to still be there when the Steelers select at number 28? I think it's unlikely. I've had some other draft Knicks tell me that they think they could see a formula where Rashawn Evans or Leighton Van Der Esch fall to the Pittsburgh Steelers. If I'm the Steelers, I trade up. Uh, that was my column today in the Trib Mark. I think this year, uh, for the first year, maybe since Palomalu, they've had as clearly identifiable as a need as possible. And uh, I don't know if they have the collateral to, to to trade up very far. Maybe that's why the Martavis Bryant talk has popped up today. But I would put myself in a position where at least one of those four could be there, read the room, maybe after the first two, Edmonds and Roquan Smith come off the board. That's when you make your move to make sure that nobody else gets by you. But at the very least, I would like to see the Steelers emerge from tonight with one of those four guys because everything else you're drafting for depth this year, maybe to start next year, sure, but for depth this year, coming off a year where you're 13-3, and three, 
And I think that hole at inside linebacker is so vast that will hurt you to the point where it'll be tough to get to 13 and three, maybe even 11 and five again. How tough would it be to trade up? What would you have to give up to get to a spot in the draft where getting one of those four guys would be assured? Well, if you look back uh, at the Palomalu trade, and this is going back away, there's draft inflation now, Mark. It cost, what was it, pick number 92 and then a sixth rounder. I think it was 92 and 200 were the picks that it took to swap picks in 11 spots for the Kansas City Chiefs to give up their guy to get Larry Johnson so the Steelers could go get Troy Palomalu. Now it costs a lot more. It might cost like their second and third today. It might cost their one next year. It might cost two first. It's a matter of how far they need to go up in this draft because, you know, if you're trying to get Roquan Smith, it might cost you next year's first, or it might cost you two seconds. Uh, that's a lot, but I would also say if you're going to go up and get a guy who's going to start for you this year and probably the next four, even if Ryan Shazier should make a miracle recovery, uh, I'd do that and I'd get my guy if he's that good in Roquan Smith, but that's probably shooting for the moon. If they don't get an inside backer, how can they possibly make do at that spot? What would what would be plan B? Plan B would be to then get themselves, I would think, Darius Geis, if he's there, the running back. To no, no, replace. Tim. I mean, what would they do to plug inside backer? Would they take a lesser talent in the first round at that position? Would they take a lesser talent later? How would they man inside linebacker? Oh, no, that's, that's what I'm saying. I would go somewhere else. I would probably take the running back in the first round or a defensive back, and then in the second round, assuming they can't trade up and they do have all their picks after that in the second and the third, uh, then there's a couple guys who are inside linebackers that are capable but are not as splash play oriented or as athletically dynamic as those four. Uh, you would at least be throwing numbers at the position. It would almost be, Mark, like uh, you'd be getting yourself maybe another Larry Foote who could start for you uh, for a while but not be the, the big-time playmaker that Shazier was or Timmons when he first started or Ferrier when he signed him via free agency. Uh, the guy from Vanderbilt, uh, Jewel from Iowa, that's another name that's come up. Uh, Malik Jackson from Texas, these are all names to remember. If they don't get the inside linebacker in the first round, that they might be able to get themselves in the second or the third. You mentioned uh, Evans from Alabama, Vander Esch from Boise State. Is it fair to say that if any dropped to 28, one of those two is most likely? And what's the front page on those two? Uh, yes, absolutely. I would say that any of those guys dropping to 28, they should take. I can't see them bypassing any of them unless they're completely spooked off by Van Der Esch's neck concerns, which the further you get away from the initial report, more and more people are saying are blown out of uh, proportion. Uh, I would say that the uh, Evans, to me, I like more than Van Der Esch. Van Der Esch struck me as having a great combine, and Evans didn't run because of lingering groin concerns coming off of last season. Uh, I think Evans is getting a bad rap about his athleticism. Uh, I think that he can cover. Uh, I think he is explosive enough to help them. Uh, he'd be able to blitz. He'd be able to cover. Uh, Van Der Esch, I know less about. I didn't watch a lot of Boise games. I, I saw some of Evans and watched an SEC and playoff games. But uh, the book on him, uh, I saw him compared, Mark, actually to Lawrence Timmons when he first came out of the draft. And that's pretty high praise. I think we remember Lawrence more in his later years when he wasn't quite as athletically gifted and some of the tread had come off the tires. But he was a pretty athletic guy when he first started. Remember, they actually thought about him as an outside linebacker for a bit first before they put him in uh, to that super backup role behind foot and farrier. And if Van Der Esch could be that, you've got yourself a good pick and maybe a starter uh, at one position or another inside for uh, five to eight years. There are a lot of good running backs in this draft. You mentioned the possibility 
that they take a back in the first round if they don't get an inside backer. And I think the Steelers have to take a running back in the first three rounds, Tim. I think they have to prepare for life after Bell leaves. And I think if you get a running back with some talent, you cut his current leverage off at the knees. Not only for after Bell leaves, but what if he doesn't report for a while to start the season? Not only if Bell leaves, but what if he does report and gets hurt? Uh, you've got Stephen Ridley, uh, who's okay, but a journeyman. And you got James Conner, who they couldn't rely on last year, A, because he wasn't good in blitz pickup, and B, because he just kept getting hurt. So, yeah. And, and I, Tim, not to interrupt, I think Conner's always going to get hurt. It's entirely possible, yeah. Um, you know, and it could be like a Rashard Mendenhall situation, where at best you get one good year out of him and that's it. But he's not going to get the volume of attempts that Mendenhall did in 2010. So I'm with you. I, I think that if they can't get Geis, if he's gone, obviously Barkley is gone. Uh, you know, Chubb from Georgia, Sony Michelle, guys that you can think about. Uh, Penny is another guy from, I think, San Diego State. Uh, has been linked to them a bit in the second round. Uh, these are all guys that... Uh, you might want to keep an ear open for if they don't get a running back in the first round, they might be there in the second round. Uh, you, you mentioned a running back potentially in the first round. Uh, Geis, is that his name? Yeah, Darius Geis from Louisiana State. Isn't he the guy that that somebody asked him if he was gay at an interview? Somebody asked him if he was gay, and somebody asked him if his mom was a prostitute, or at least that's what he said. And then the NFL investigated it, said that they couldn't find any evidence to it. According to an Adam Schefter report, uh, he allegedly admitted to one team that he made it up. Now, I don't know why he would do that, unless it was just to get attention, and then he might become a headache, but at least he's a headache worth $13 million less million than Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> We're talking to Tim Benz, uh, columnist for the trip, and the Steelers pregame host. Uh, We're talking and, about and I'd the... like to point out that my mom is not a prostitute, but continue. Uh, well, fair enough. Uh, reminds me of that scene from Roadhouse where, where Dalton meets with all the bouncers for the first time. What if he calls my mama a whore? Is she? Uh, Justin Reed visited the Steelers, the safety from Stanford, and he's a first-round talent, if if memory serves. Is safety still a concern for the Steelers? Because they seem to have, have, have really be down on Sean Davis now. Yeah, and Matt Williamson, you know, who comes on your show quite a bit as well, also from the Steeler Radio Network, really planted this seed in my head where he said he was hearing and he could see why they might be thinking of uh, Cam Sutton as a free safety with Morgan Burnett as a strong safety. And if that's the case, then that's an indication to me that, yeah, they are down on Davis. Um, I think right now, Mark, if you go safety or corner, basically you're throwing numbers at the position. You're trying to create competition. You think you can upgrade. But, boy, I, I don't think Davis and Burns have been so bad that you have to give up on them yet when, as we just addressed, there's a more obvious hole at inside linebacker, there's a more obvious hole next year or potentially this year at running back to start or back up this year. And to our point earlier about Bryant, he's probably gone after this year too. He might be gone more... He might be gone sooner, Tim. I don't know if you saw the profootballtalk.com report, but apparently they're shopping him as we speak. No, no, that's, that's what I was referencing earlier. I, I think he could be part of a trade package if they were to. I think that's why that's coming up is because if – the Steelers really are looking to move up. They don't have a lot of collateral in terms of draft picks to do it. So if they don't want to give up a first, maybe then it's a second in Martavis or a second and a third in Martavis or, or something like that. I buy that. That's why I think there's some fire to that smoke that's out there. But the point is, Mark, if they do move him, they're moving him, and then you've got to protect the depth at wide receiver, and you've got to keep at least one of those picks, I would say, in the second or third round to get yourself a wide receiver, don't you? 
Oh, for sure. For sure. Right. Uh, so I, that's, I just, what I'm saying, that's why I'm saying everybody who's throwing all these names of defensive backs at, at, at the Steelers, I get it. You can improve at the position, but there's numbers there already, and defensive back is hard in the National Football League, and I, I don't think Davis and Burns are quite as far behind the curve as some of us are making it out to be. I, I totally agree with that. Now, what's going to happen with that first pick overall, the Browns? What would you do, and what do you think they will do? If you don't have a clear-cut, differentiated number one from number four in the quarterbacks, then go with Barkley. I mean, if they if they in their minds think Sam Darnold is ten times better than the others, or even if they think Baker Mayfield, he's not. But if they think Baker Mayfield is way better than the other three, then take the quarterback and look. Don't let the decision be made for you. But if you're looking at those other quarterbacks as one one A, one B, and one C, take the great running back and then take one of the other four quarterbacks uh, if you don't differentiate them all that much. Again, if you think you've got your quarterback, take your quarterback and find a running back somewhere else. Take Geis in the fourth round if you think it's that important. Or take one of the great pass rushers at the top two. There's only good two good pass rushers. Take one of them or something. But um, I would say, Mark, if you don't think one of those quarterbacks is really all that much better than the others, take Barkley. What do you think Cleveland will do? I think they'll draft an offensive tackle. Uh, before we let you go, Tim, what's your take on the uh, comeback of Young Ho Gung? Uh, got a work visa, going to go to like a spring training type thing with the Pirates. Uh, obviously, he's better than a lot of the players the Pirates have if he's as good as he was. But how do you think Pittsburgh will react to a guy with three DUIs under his belt that missed overseas and because of it now returning to the Pirates? Well, hopefully they'll react by taking public transportation. I'd get off the streets. Uh, I thought this is what Trump was supposed to stop, build the wall to keep the bad hombres out. Then again, Jung-ho would probably just drive through the wall. Uh, I don't know. So what, they're going to put him in spring spring training? That's what, six weeks? So you get him ready for six weeks and then bring him back? I, I guess it makes sense by that point because then what? Maybe you get Harrison back and you see if by then you, you want to move Freeze or if you want to move S-Rod. Or, or if you want to move Harrison. Yeah, or if you want to move Harrison, that sort of lays the hey, we're getting Jung Ho back. I know, I know, we're trading Josh, and we all love Josh, but we think Jung Ho's going to be something now that he's healthy and on got his head screwed on straight. Well, Tim, so. what are they going to do if attendance uh, doesn't pick its head up off the mat? They're on pace right now to to draw like one point one million. That would be well over a drop of a million, over a million since the twenty fifteen season. And you know, the hillbilly prince wants to make sure he makes his money. Oh, absolutely. They'll look out for the bottom line. They know their projections. Um, they've really been screwed by the weather. It's been so bad, it's even kept the people away that thought they would never stay away. Yeah, but Tim, so, the thing is, if, if when the weather gets better, if they're losing at the rate they're currently losing, the weather won't matter by that point. Oh, no, that, that's kind of what I'm saying, is that they've already lost guys in the seats that they're never going to get back. You know what I mean? Like, the, the weather has been so bad that it's kept away the diehards. The diehards will be there, but those who have been turned off that maybe would have gone to the game by accident by now if it had been sunny, uh, you know, like, they, they have been screwed in a year where they were going to be bad attendance-wise to have what would have been a bad attendance season anyway, even if they were competitive. So, yeah, I do think that's going to affect decision-making as the trade deadline approaches. Tim, as always, great stuff. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Mark. Have a good one. That's Tim Benz from the Trib and the Steelers Radio Network. Up next, going to talk to Bob McLaughlin here on 105.9. This is Connor Sherry of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. He's brought to you by 84 Lumber. 
Bob, your thoughts on the return of Young Ho Gung to the Pirates, although that probably won't be for weeks because he's going to be put through a spring training-type regimen. It's got to be good for the baseball team. How do you think the Pittsburgh community at large will react? Uh, I think they'll be okay with it, Mark, but I'm kind of shocked that uh, it's actually happening. I didn't think he was going to be able to get the work visa because, you know, I've heard how many times in the show already, like four or five callers that have said second chance. Guys had three DUIs. That's not a second chance. You know, he's, you know, down to third, fourth chance. Um, so I'm surprised that it, it worked out for him. I think the Pirate fans will be glad that he's back. But, boy, how he, the big question is how good is he going to be? You know, 31, 32 years old by now. He's been out of the league for a year and a half, almost two years. Out of baseball, basically. Yeah. He had that stint in the Dominican, which was disastrous. I can see bringing him back, and you know, because he's signed. Although I'm sure they could void that contract if they if they tried, given the the, the circumstance Gung has put them in since his three DUIs. But uh, I think they think it's worth taking a chance, and it is, given their situation. And uh, I do think Gung deserves a second chance, although your point about not one, not two, but three DUIs is certainly well taken. Yeah, and uh, from what I remember, he tried to hide one or two of them. Um, you know, I know he did a suspension over there, and uh, maybe the talk about MLB getting in here and saying, whoa, let, let's put the brakes on this. Maybe he has some kind of suspension from MLB. I, I could see him doing that. And, and I'm not just one of those guys who says, oh, he did this. He can never play again. Um, but Boy, the Pirates better keep some tight strings on him, you know, whether it's in Florida during this rehab or this training or whether it's up here with the big team. Um, you know what I think, Bob? We're having a beer. <laughs> Everybody have a beer. Well, you better hope not. And, and just think of the PR hit, Mark. If something does happen, you know, this is going to be quite the test for him. If he's not able to stay sober and there is an incident, Guess who's responsible for that? Guess who worked to bring him back here and put him in that position? I mean, they're going to be tied to any, you know, if there's an injury or God forbid worse, they're probably going to be brought up, you know, tied in any legal proceedings. Uh, Dot just tweeted, did you ever give James Harrison a second chance? I never said James Harrison shouldn't play. Never. Yeah, never heard that. I just kept saying he was a domestic abuser, which he was and convicted too. Real quick, Bob, uh, What's going to happen tonight? Game one, Washington, Pittsburgh. It looks like Geno may play in game two. That That is something we're hopeful about. Boy, what a boost it would be if they would win game one tonight without Geno, oh. and then he comes skating out there Sunday at 3 p.m. Without Geno and Haglin. Got to quit uh, forgetting Haglin. But um, if they get on Holpe early, Mark, you know, <laughs> look, just because he was back against the Columbus Blue Jackets and back towards the end of, you know, the regular season, this is against the Penguins now. This is against the Nemesis. This is against the bad guy. If he gives up an early goal or a bad goal tonight, you know who's to say that he's going to have the strong will or the strong character to stay in there again and maybe the Penguins steal one? Uh, do I expect the Penguins to win tonight? No, that's a tall order without the two players we just mentioned and without you know uh, with Holtby playing better. Do I expect them to win the series? Yeah, I do. And I, I would actually say I would expect them, if Geno comes back Sunday, to split the series down in D.C. It would be typical of this matchup if the Penguins won tonight without Gino, then lost Sunday <laughs> with with Gino. That's Bob McLaughlin, March of 84 Lumber. In just a moment, I, I cited the Latang haters earlier in the week. I'm going to take care of a different group of haters in just 30 seconds. 105.9 X.